Hello everyone, welcome to the 5 Minutes Podcast. Today I spent pretty much all day watching the news of the evergreen ship that was stuck in the Suez Canal. And why I did that? First, of course, I'm an engineer, but I'm also passionate about risk management. And what is the impact of that? The first thing we need to understand that probably for many, many people and many of you that are listening, the Suez Canal is something that you just saw quickly on the books when you were studying history. Uh, very few people know exactly what is the Suez Canal about. So the Suez Canal is in Egypt, very close to Israel, almost in the border. And it's a shortcut. So instead of taking 12 days of travel crossing the whole Africa to reach out to Europe, for example, you take this shortcut and then you save this 12 days. Around 10% of the global trade, and this is incredible, cross that channel. And this is around $10 billion each day. So these are absolutely massive numbers, right? Oil, livestock, containers, cars, machinery, everything goes through that channel. And the channel where Evergreen was stuck is 300 meters wide. Just to realize this in miles, it's something like 0.2 miles. So now realize with me that 10% of the global trade rely on how confident this 0.2 miles or this 300 meters is free or stuck. So now a ship that is around 400 meters cross and get stuck and suddenly you halt global trade. And this is pretty much incredible, right? Because I'm not talking about, you know, 100 miles wide or 200 kilometers wide. No, no, I'm talking about, you know, probably a, a field, a, probably a, a high-rise building. So it's not big at all. And you concentrate most of the traffic. And I want now to share with you some perspectives on risk management, because when we think about risk management in this case, we try to think about, oh, global trade, we're thinking about the losses or, or shortage of supply, we're talking about very macro. But now let's talk about the different players on this unique incident, and let's take this for didactical purpose. First one, let's now think that we are part of Evergreen. So we are part of the ship company where the ship that owns the ship that was stuck. So first, let's think about the risks for them. So if we think about the risks for them, they have the risk of losing that ship, if really a radical measurement. They have uh, the risk of delaying their cargo for N days. Uh, today it was uh, released, but so let's see seven days. They have maybe penalties. They have maybe raising insurance rates because, of course, who provides insurance to this company will revisit, right, this kind of insurance because, you know, it's something that creates, I would say, an increased probability of problems. And also the image, right? Because imagine your company on the spot in every single news for a week with your logo there. So there is a damage in the reputation. And this is a little bit more about crisis management on that. So probably the clients will face challenges, right? Thinking how reliable they are. And look, I'm also 
taking one thing. Nobody knows exactly what happened and what generated the accident, okay? So I'm not talking about any malicious act. I'm talking just a plain accident here, okay? Because if we go that road, then it's a completely different scenario, okay? The second is other shipping companies. Imagine you are owner of a shipping company or you work in a shipping company that is just stuck waiting for the canal to be unblocked and you continue your trip, right? So you may see delays, you may see increased liability every single day. It's like a taxi. If you don't run, you don't get money. If a ship do not put container, oil, cereals, whatever inside and move, you are paying fixed costs without revenue. So for them, it's a massive loss too. The third player is the government of Egypt, the owner of the Suez Canal. For them, of course, there is one impact that is so evident and so clear. It's around $14 million per day, based on what I saw on the news. What they said, it's around $15,000 per ship to cross, and it's around 100 ships. So I'm just making rough numbers. The second risk for the government of Egypt is reliability, right? Because people will think, oh God, you know, is it worth to get on that? or it was just an accident that will not happen again. In order to answer that, the government already did a massive work in 2015 duplicating a big part of the Suez Canal to improve the flow, to improve the speed and to provide a better service and to reduce risk because if something happens like that, you have this. However, they were not able to duplicate the full canal. They duplicated just one part of the canal. And sadly, this ship blocked the path that had no other option. So probably the government will face some pressure or will face some business decision on doing that. Another risk for the Egypt government is a potential attack or a potential war, because today the Suez Canal demonstrate how weak was the situation to protect if something blocks the canal, okay? If something blocks the canal like a simple ship, a hundred of them cross every day. Imagine this, you know, in one year. So it's a probability game. So imagine if someone, terrorist group or something like that, hijack a ship like that just to stuck it in the canal and block the global trade for a month. So this is a massive implication. This is the same that we saw, for example, with COVID. It's an impact that is unprecedented, okay? Unprecedented. And this is unprecedented in the history of the canal. I'm saying on this way, in a peaceful accident that blocked pretty much everything. The other player I want to discuss is a player like Germany that relies heavily on global trade. So most of the factories and industries, they rely on just-in-time supply. So a delay means they may have to shut down things, they may have to slow down their production to cope with this delay. So this is the, I would say, the odd side of global supply. And last but not least, it's you. It's you and your project. So you may say, Ricardo, okay, all you said, it's very nice, but you know, I'm not able to put pressure on the government of Egypt. I'm not a big player to renegotiate uh, with a massive shipping company. You know, I'm just doing a project and two of that containers, they carry a critical equipment to help me. 
to finish my project. So how can I manage this kind of situation? The first thing I would suggest you is that every single decision you make comes with a cost. So every time you decide to import things, of course, you evaluate the cost, you evaluate the currency exchange, you evaluate taxes, but there are other risks you need to understand. And this is the trade-off of, okay, let's build or let's buy or let's do. And it always come with this kind of challenge. The second thing is that you need to identify in your project which are the critical points that you cannot move because maybe you need that equipment next week and you will not get it, but you know that you can flip that task of that equipment and delay it to use it in two months from now. And then you can do a different thing. You can shift your workforce and your team to do a different thing while you wait. And this is a risk response, a very intelligent risk response that you may take. So what I wanted to show you today, it's this dimension of risk management. You know, this managing of this uncertainty, that is a critical thinking for every single of us. So every single of these players I put as an example here, they act to help us to understand how we can play and which kind of power do we have to shift the conditions in order to improve the results of our effort. So think about that. And this is why it's so wonderful to understand enterprise risk management. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Have a safe week ahead and see you next week with another five minutes podcast.